We've all heard the joke about man bites dog, but what about dogs biting bears? Can a small dog intimidate a black bear? Today, we'll be talking about how dogs do work in conservation as environmental warriors. That's today on Dog Edition. Hello, I'm James Jacobson in Maui, Hawaii. And I'm Molly Jacobson in Maui, Hawaii. Welcome to Dog Edition, where voices from around the world consider all things dog. So today we are talking about dogs and how they help make the world a little better place for all of us, Molly. Well, we know they make the world a better place. But we have discovered, and we will tell you how we discovered with our new contributor, Ayla Anderson, we have discovered that dogs can do some pretty extraordinary things, and that includes intimidating bears to make sure that the bears stay away from people. That sounds very important. (laughs) We're going to talk about that and how dogs are being used here in Hawaii to also benefit conservation. Excellent. That and more on today's episode of Dog Edition. So if you love dogs as much as we do, leash up your pup and let's go for a walk because we've got a lot to talk about on today's episode of Dog Edition. Hey, Pepper, want to go for a walk? So Ayla, we are so glad to welcome you to Team Dog here at Dog Edition. Welcome. Thank you. I can't tell you how happy I am to be a part of the pack. Well, pack (laughs) it is. So we are sitting in our home studio here in Hawaii. You are there just outside Washington, D.C. And we are joined by our dog, Kanga, who is nicely snuggled on Molly's lap as we record this. Because every dog should be able to go to work sometimes, right? Oh, absolutely. I think we all love the idea of having a dog come to work with us. But just to make sure, we went out to dog parks around the world to see if everyone agreed with that. I think it's a fantastic idea. Um, Being a first one-day dog owner, I would love it. I would love to bring my dog to work with me. I think that we should all be allowed to bring our dogs to work. I think everyone would be more productive with having their animals with them at work. I'd love to take my dog to work. I'm just not allowed to. But if you could, you would? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think most of us can agree having our furry best friends come to work with us and showing them off to all of our coworkers would be amazing. What if it was bring your dog to work day every day? It's just the best thing ever. I mean, these guys, they make me a better biologist. They they really allow me to do things with bears that I I couldn't do. Um, But they're also my kids. So it's really great to be able to bring them along for work and see what they're like, have them do what they were meant to do. You know, that was Heather Reich a game biologist with the Nevada Department of Wildlife. Heather has the very tough job of managing bear and human interactions in the Sierra Nevada mountains, but she does so with the help of her Karelian bear dogs. So we use the dogs in bear management here in Nevada, and we use them to give a bear a negative experience around people and dogs to try and help that bear not necessarily avoid getting into conflict because really the bears are going to get into conflict, 
But what we try to do is just tone them down a little bit, keep them at a lower level of conflict where maybe they're just coming out at night to knock over garbage cans rather than walking by somebody's car in the middle of the day and thinking, oh, I should go in there and see what they've got inside the car uh, and causing property damage. So um, also, you know, when the bear comes into a neighborhood, if they start approaching a house and a dog starts barking, ideally they're going to say, you know, I remember that experience that I had and I'm just going to avoid going that direction. And I do have a lot of people People who anecdotally will tell me, you know, I was yelling at the bear and it didn't seem interested in leaving. But boy, when my dog started barking, that bear sure took off. And it's like validation. <laughs> yes. These negative experiences Heather is talking about is when they have a bear who has a higher number of conflict occurrences. And as Heather puts it, it needs a bit of a spanking to encourage safer behavior. Heather will set up a culvert trap to capture the bear and then transport them to a less human-populated area. This is where the Karelian bear dogs come in. When they're getting ready to release the bear, everyone starts yelling and making loud noises and the dogs start barking and they're setting this up to be a horribly stressful situation for this bear. So that once the door opens, the bear shoots out running away, thinking it's running for its life. And then they release the bear dogs. And it just seems like pure chaos to the bear. There's these people shouting and these dogs chasing and barking and biting at them. But this chaos is actually a very carefully organized and executed conservation tool. Its whole purpose is to create this very negative association with humans for this bear. And hopefully that bear will think twice before entering back into urban areas. Not only does this keep people safe, but it also helps save some of the bears who may have otherwise been destroyed in some of the more extreme cases. Now, if you're like me, and I assume you are because you're listening to a podcast specifically about dogs and how much we love them, you're probably worried about how dangerous this is for the Karelians. Don't worry. I asked her. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, you know, in every presentation I do, um, I always open it up for questions and that's the very first question. So I'm always, I'm starting to incorporate it into my talk now where yes, absolutely. I mean, you are asking dogs to go and chase after a bear and bite it, but and these bears, I mean, while they they are running for their lives and they are not going to stop and absolutely have a flat-out attack and try and kill my dogs, they will stop and defend themselves. They will throw out a swipe or try and bite somebody, um, but it's not a prolonged attack. So usually, you know, if the dogs get hurt, it's a pretty minor scratch to them. Really, I mean, these are they have never had a life-threatening injury. You know, it's hard when when you're trying to describe a bear dog to someone who's not actually looking at one. When you say bear dog, you know, people are imagining these 70 to 80 pound monstrous beasts. Really, they average about 50 to 55 pounds so that they have that agility to duck and weave when a bear is swiping at them. And I never release one dog. I always have at least two dogs, even three dogs, so that if there is a moment where that bear decides to turn, he kind of can't figure out where to focus anything. And he just kind of stops, maybe swipes out a, a paw and then continues running. So, you know, when we, when we are releasing the dogs, we are setting it up to be as safe as possible, not only for the dogs, but also for the bear, because we don't want the bear to be attacked or get injured in any way, shape or form. So we're always thinking about safety aspect at the moment that we're going to open that trap. Just like how biologists gear up in their hiking boots 
Heather's bear dogs also get souped up. They wear bright red harnesses that allow for good visibility and they have these chest protectors to keep them safe from branches as they're running through the woods or the sagebrush. And they also have training collars that have a vibrate function. The dogs are trained to know that when the collar is vibrating, that's their come command when they're out of earshot. Occasionally, they even throw on a GoPro and get some up close and personal footage from the dog's perspective of the chase. So far, we've talked about what these dogs do and the equipment that they use and how they're used for conservation. But what about the most important piece of all of this? The dogs. Where do they come from? Carolian bear dogs are a primitive hunting dog from Finland. And uh, they, the ancient breed, you know, there's fossil record going back 10,000 plus years of a dog like this in the region. And uh, they're really very motivated hunting dogs, able to bay large game. Nils Penderson is the director of the Wind River Bear Dog Institute in Alaska. Their mission is to reduce human-caused bear mortality and human-wildlife conflict worldwide. One of the ways they work towards this mission is by breeding and training Karelian bear dogs. Now, just like with other service dogs like police dogs or seeing-eye dogs, the Karelian puppies from Wind River go through a vigorous testing process after they've been born so they can be placed with the right handler for the right job. Throughout this testing process, they're introducing these pups to all kinds of new things. Various wildlife and different kinds of terrain, strange sounds, smells, all kinds of different situations. And the whole time, they're watching for attributes like prey drive or confidence, their independence. It's not a pass or fail kind of test, more like a personality test. For our purposes, you know, we figure about a quarter 25% of a litter of well-bred, you know, dogs are going to make the cut through our testing process. So we consider those dogs to be bear conflict dogs, dogs that have to work. They are going to make lousy pets because they're going to be wanting to range out, leave you to go off and hunt. Next, you have about half the litter that we're going to consider to be bear protection dogs. These are dogs that are willing to stand their ground and bark, but they're not going to be ranging out there looking for game and, and actively hunting. These are dogs that are better suited for folks that live in the country. And then we'll have another, about a quarter of the litter that is going to test out as what we call companion dogs, which are really saying throughout the testing process, you know, I'm not, I'm not really that interested in hunting and certainly not, you know, wanting to confront everything that's new and scary. Bear dogs from Wind River do work around the globe, from detecting polar bear dens in the Yukon so they can be avoided if a new ice road is being put in, to tracking scent trails of bears in national parks so their hair can be collected from branches for DNA studies. They even do bear detection for wildlife biologists that are patrolling nature preserves in Japan. Uh, my name is Junpei, Junpei Tanaka. I have two dogs, Tama and Leila. Junpei is one of the Karelian handlers at Pikio, a wildlife research center in Karuzawa, Japan. Pikio is the first organization to use bear dogs for conservation in the whole of Asia. And in 2018, Japan had their first ever bear dog puppy birth when Tama, who came from Wind River, had her first litter of puppies. Similar to what Heather does with her Karelians in Nevada, the bear dogs of Pikio 
conduct patrols on the border between a national park and the town of Karizawa, acting as early bear detectors and chasing them away from inhabited areas back into the forest. This has been incredibly successful in driving down the occurrences of human-bear conflict in their region. These hardworking pooches also act as conservation ambassadors, like when Junpei takes his dogs Tama and Rayla to seminars, teaching people how to safely share the environment with bears. They use their cute and cuddly faces to encourage human and bear coexistence. Not only are they human's best friend, but maybe bear's best friend too. I think Nils puts it best. I am hesitant to refer to them as tools, right? The truth is they're family members. I love my dogs. And, you know, and when we're not working, we're always doing stuff together. Um, they're my little buddies, but, uh, you know, these dogs reach people in a way that no bear resistant trash can is ever going to do. That was amazing. I mean, these, these dogs are amazing and the people who, who love and care and guide these dogs are amazing and bears are also amazing and they deserve to have the peace of mind of not being too close to us crazy humans who can really do damage. <laughs> it's extraordinary. I mean, when you first brought this piece to us, Ayla, I was like, what? Dogs are doing that? They're pretty amazing. Well, we're going to take a break, but when we return, we will hear about more ways that dogs are helping protect the environment. We'll be right back. And now, a message from your dog. Every day with you is like a day at the beach. And I want as many beach days as possible. I want to run and sniff and find a good stick to carry. I want to roll in the grass and warm my belly in the sun. I want to walk with you, run with you, sleep with you, eat with you. And when I eat with you, I want Everpup. The green, grassy, beef liver spike smell wakes my senses. You may not realize this, but it tastes like homemade gravy, especially when you wet it. It infuses any food you give me with health and life and vibrancy. I can feel it. Everpuff, traveling to every cell in my body, nourishing each one. It helps me feel like I'm on top of the world. I'm so glad you're giving it to me every day, because every day I'm so glad to be with you. I wouldn't have it any other way. I want my Everpup. It just makes me feel good. I am so grateful to be your dog and for the Everpup you give me. So now that you know what your dog wants, get Everpup, the ultimate dog supplement. Everpup is available in select pet shops and on Amazon. But to get the best price possible, join the Everpup Club at everpupclub.com where you'll get your first jar for just $8 with free shipping anywhere in the U.S. Go to everpupclub.com and use the discount code DPN. That is everpupclub.com. Everpup, every day. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Dog Edition. So, Ayla, you actually have a connection with Heather and the Karelians before this whole story. Have you actually met these dogs in person? I have. I have met them in person. I got to meet Orca and Sputnik. Sputnik, Which oh. are Sputnik, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which is Heather's first two Karelians. Now yeah. she has five of them. And I worked with Heather at the Nevada Department of Wildlife. When I was working there, I was a predator technician. And most of the work that I was doing was with mountain lions and ravens. But at Endow, at the Nevada Department of Wildlife, or Endow, her dogs were kind of like celebrities of the office. Mm -hmm. So when they would come in from the field, word would spread really quickly between <laughs> all, of my, all of my coworkers. And they'd be like, oh, the Karelians are here. It's like the Kardashians. The Karelians are here. <laughs> and so everyone would come running and we would all swarm them. And, and it was really cool. And she's amazing. They're amazing. And they do amazing work. So you're in the D.C. area now, but you were in Nevada, as you said, and uh, now. Uh, how did you end up on the other side of the country? So I worked for Endow for about five years. And then I wanted to change a pace and I've always wanted to join the Peace Corps. So I did. And I served in Malawi in Southern Africa for about a year as an environment and food security educator. Wow. And while I was over there, I met my partner who was originally from Maryland. And unfortunately, when COVID hit, all of the Peace Corps volunteers worldwide were evacuated back to the U.S. Mm. And instead of going home to Nevada, I decided to make a new home with Dakota near D.C. And Dakota, is that significant other? Because the first time you mentioned Dakota, I was like, oh, you have a dog named Dakota. <laughs> I don't know if you told him that, but now he'll hear this. <laughs> now he'll know. Then he'll know he's got a pet name. <laughs> So that is a pretty amazing story. So a little closer to home, at least to my home here in Hawaii, it seems that dogs are also involved in conservation efforts. And we found Kyoko Johnson at Conservation Dogs of Hawaii to explain. What we do is traditional conservation, looking for invasive species, uh, plants, insects, mammals, whatever. Um, and then there's endangered and threatened species. In Hawaii, uh, birds are a big part of the ecosystems. You know, seabirds are something that we protect. So Kyoko is the founder and the lead canine trainer at Conservation Dogs of Hawaii. Mm -hmm. And her dogs do incredible work protecting our native flora and fauna here in the islands. We all, we all know that dogs have great noses, right? They certainly do. Exactly. But Kyoko has actually started to use her dogs to save Hawaiian birds from this. I don't know if you knew that birds get this. There is a botulism that's specific to birds called avian botulism. Ugh. She's using dogs to sniff it out. Wow. They can smell anything. So, you know, in, in Nevada, they go after bears. Here they're looking for birds with the botulism. With botulism. Here's Kyoko. It's a bacteria that's in the environment, but in, under certain conditions, like... 
heat and anaerobic conditions, it can concentrate and become a toxin. The water birds eat invertebrates from the water or, or the mud, like slugs and worms and things like that. And the, those invertebrates can kind of concentrate a toxin. So when these water birds eat too many of the toxic invertebrates, they get sick themselves. The birds start to get lethargic. Their heads are drooping. They can't swim. So they drown and then they die. And then once they die, flies will lay eggs on their carcasses and then the maggots start to grow. Ew, that's kind of gross, isn't it? It's not kind of gross. It's disgusting. It is really disgusting. So basically the the carcass is full of botulism yeah, and then it becomes full of maggots, which as carcasses are wont to do. And those maggots are now full of botulism and they're like perfect little botulism pellets. Oh, little nuggets of botulism. Little nuggets of botulism. And then the other birds come along and eat the maggots because that's their natural food. And now they're ingesting botulism. And then just all these birds are just getting sick and sick and sick and sick and sick because there's these carcasses filled with maggots. So it's like a maggot botulism bomb. <laughs> Oh, a bomb buffet. That is disgusting. It's disgusting. It's also terrible for our native um, species. You know, Hawaii has unique species that aren't found anywhere else Seven, on the planet. I believe 75% of the flower and fauna in Hawaii are nowhere else on Earth. Right. And, so uh, if something like this happens, it is devastating to our ecosystem. So the good news is there are dogs to the rescue. Yeah. The dogs are going and finding the carcasses, mm-hmm. which they can smell really easily being dogs and trained right and they they're finding them kyoko says before the maggots develop so they're they're cleaning up the <laughs> they're cleaning up the dead bodies before they can develop maggots which means that they're stopping this avian botulism outbreak mm. so these birds of hawaii have it a little rough these days well as we well know i mean i hadn't actually heard about avian botulism being a problem no. here right but we know that we have tons of native birds that are on the brink of extinction mm-hmm. and many that have, in fact, gone extinct because of invasive species um, that are brought into the Hawaiian Islands. Wait, think of the, think of the mongoose. Mongoose? Mongoose. They, they, they were brought <laughs> what over. What is the plural of mongoose? I we're going to say mongoose. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll say we'll, mongoose. We'll hear from the mongoose <laughs> podcast network about that. But, <laughs> I mean, the reason that people brought, they brought mongoose geese they brought a mongoose uh probably two uh over to hawaii to get rid of the rat population right that didn't work very well because we still have rats and now the mongoose are attacking all sorts of birds and and things that are eggs right out of the nest it's we have a lot of um birds that nest in the ground Mm -hmm. and that's very easy food for the mongoose and the irony of course is that Ships brought in rats, which weren't here before. Right. And then, and then they brought in and the then mongoose, they in the mongoose thinking they were going to kill the rats. Yeah. And the rats are active at night when the mongoose are asleep. And the mongoose are active during the day when the rats are. It's, it's a nightmare. So now we have two huge predators that are taking, I mean, it's really bad. And don't get me started on access to your- <laughs> right. Well, yeah. They're we, we are basically just it. giant rats that are that are <laughs> that are a lot bigger. So yeah, we have a lot of invasive species, but it isn't just about 
animals. No. It's about plants. That's right. There's all sorts of invasive um, weeds, uh, which are, as we know, a weed is just a plant that's in the wrong place, mm. right? But in Hawaii, there's this plant that is a weed here called devil weed. <laughs> Here's Kyoko. It's a plant that, you know, just takes over the forests and can push out native species. It's also toxic to livestock. So it's a really high priority because if it spreads to farms and ranches, then it could be devastating to the livestock as well. So um, that's one of the big programs that we have. It's supported by volunteer dog handler teams, and it's been very, very successful. And so they have the dogs that are out there looking for this species. But what is so cool is because dogs have this crazy sense of smell, they can smell such long distances, they can smell the weed almost 300 feet away from it. That's crazy. And they can differentiate between all the other plants in the area. Yeah, they're able to just hone in on it. And you know why? It's because they have the uh, Jacobson organ. We'll refer you back to another show. That's the organ inside of the nose that makes it possible. That's right. We're responsible for that organ, obviously. Well, that's fascinating. So just one plant can be smelled. Highly trained dogs. 300 feet away. So yeah, the dogs have really impressed me. The dog handlers are very devoted and they're just awesome to work with. And so now we're actually expanding to Maui, the neighbor island. And rather than devil weed, which they don't have, we're going to focus on koki frogs, which is an invasive frog. We know those koki frogs. They have been a bit of a pain here, but they're really a big problem on Kauai. And I just love how they're able to, to get the dogs to really help fix the environmental issues that we have here in Hawaii. Yeah, that's incredible. The koki frogs are a real issue here. And um, and as you say, they're worse than other islands, but we don't like them. No. <laughs> We're happy they're expanding They make to a lot of noise. <laughs> Well, there you have it. These conservation canines are conserving the ecosystems around the world from Nevada to Japan to Hawaii. I want to thank you for joining us today, hitting that play button. If you would like to support Conservation Dogs of Hawaii, we will include a link to their website in today's show notes. And maybe you can take a look at some of their swag. They have some cool things, including a Star Trek Sniff Long and Posper sticker. Yeah, Stick <laughs> Long and Posper. They like puns just as much as we do at Dog Edition. <laughs> Absolutely. That's great. It's very funny. Ayla, thanks for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me and letting me be part of everything. Join us again next time for another episode of Dog Edition. Stay tuned for some information on other shows that you can listen to now on Dog Podcast Network. On behalf of all of us here, I'm James Jacobson, wishing you and your dog a very warm aloha. Is artificial intelligence going to change veterinary medicine? Well, it already has. Right now, on Dog Cancer Answers, we're speaking with Dr. Kelly Deal of Morris Animal Foundation about how AI is impacting veterinary research and the practice of medicine itself. That's on Dog Cancer Answers. Get it wherever you get your podcasts or at dogcancer.com slash podcast.